Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. My name is Robbie Engel. I am the director of adult ministries at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. I get to work with my friend and colleague, Lee Rogers, who is the director of men's groups. He oversees all the men's initiatives at our church. And this is super exciting today uh, because we have access to Bill Thrall. Bill is 78 or 79 years old. He's been in ministry uh, about twice as long as I've been alive, <laughs> over uh, probably probably 60 years worth of intentional ministry. And this guy is going to bring something today that you guys are going to need a pen and a pad to take notes on. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to do a, sh- same, a shameless plug. Is that okay, Lee? Sameless. A shameless plug. All right, guys, here's the deal. I, I'm pretty good at knocking stuff off my bucket list. I'm a pretty driven, get it done kind of guy. So I've knocked a lot off my bucket list. I've got this lingering bucket list item that drives me crazy. It's been on there for a few years. I've I've reached out a couple try- times trying to make it happen. And it has to do with what I want on my gravesite. Like uh You guys, I just want to interrupt to say Robbie <laughs> really has reached out to make this happen. All right, please continue. So here's a bucket list item. And so in case somebody's listening to this that can help me, I'm just using this platform to try to hook myself up. So here's what I want. I want to, I, I don't want to die. We're going to die one day <laughs> and I want to have a grave site and on my, what's it called? A gravestone? Gravestone. On my gravestone, headstone, headstone I want it to say this, Robert Bruce Engle the third died at this age or whatever this date. And in quotes, I just want it to say, Robbie Angle is a uh, bad a bad a stud something like that. Uh, a real man. A real man. Quote Chuck Norris. <laughs> I want Chuck Norris to say the words out of his mouth, uh, and he's getting older. So I got I feel an urgency about this. <laughs> he's getting Robbie Angle <laughs> is blank, and we know what that we want that to say. A good blank. So we want that to say. I, how amazing would that be for like the legacies and like my children's children's children to go to the site and see that quote? It, all it says is Robbie Engel was a bad A. Yeah, Chuck Norris. It's the thumbs up from Chuck Norris. Uh, it it's would be huge. so amazing. All I need to do him is I just need him to say it have like on audio. Him? Do you have any Chuck Norris story yet? No, no, I don't okay. have any connections. If anybody out there has any connections, I reached out to his publicist trying to get something happening, and <laughs> it, guys, it's been a couple dead real. ends. It's a real thing. So Lee and I started looking at Chuck Norris Hold on, quotes. First, let me tell my, my first introduction to Chuck Norris. Fifth grade, <laughs> watching movies I'm not supposed to be watching. I'm watching Missing in Action Part 2 at a friend's birthday party. I'm watching this Chuck Norris guy. He's, of course, a prisoner of war. How that happened, no one knows. He's a prisoner <laughs> of war, and they're torturing him. They're torturing, I don't even remember his name in the movie, T- torturing Chuck Norris. So they take a rat, put it in a burlap sack, like a hungry, mean, giant rat, and they wrap it, they tie the sack around Chuck Norris's head. Mind mm. you, he's hanging upside down with his hands tied mm. up with wire. 
well, the, he shakes all around. You know, it, the, he finally settles down, and you think, oh, no, the rat killed him because there's a little blood dripping out of the sack that's over his head. And so they take the burlap sack off of Chuck Norris's hanging upside-down head, and there's the rat in his teeth. He killed the rat without his hands. That's so that's strong. amazing. I feel like they don't make movies like they used to. God, so good. That's so epic. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so what I knew. We started talking about Chuck Norris because I was ranting and raving about how I I haven't got him to say this somehow wherever he is. You Chuck, haven't please. achieved your purpose. I haven't. Life. So we we started googling Chuck Norris quotes and we got sucked in. You know, you start watching those like fail videos or something. You just like what just happened in twenty minutes. This is what just happened to Lee and I. So uh, we captured some. We might as well share them because it was so enjoyable and life giving. Share to us. a few Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> and in the Fully Alive Man podcast, this felt life giving. <laughs> so let's go there. So one, I, I like all these. The quickest way to a man's heart is with Chuck Norris's fist. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> ladies. That. That's it. Chuck Norris can win a game of Connect Four in only three moves. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, <laughs> This one, Chuck Norris can win a game of chess in only one move. A roundhouse <laughs> kick to the face. <laughs> so why do I love these? Uh, it, there's no theory of evolution, just a list of creatures Chuck Norris allows to live. <laughs> Stupid, decent. Um, I can't read that one. What can I read? This one, uh, what, what was going through the minds of all Chuck Norris's victims before they died? His shoe <laughs> going through their minds. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, all right, we got we got to stop. We got to get to dumb Bill Thrall. Beautiful, fine line. Stop. All right. So for those of you who don't know, let me give a little context about our guest today. Bill, Bill. Thrall is the Chuck Norris of Christians, of men, <laughs> right. of anything all of us want to be. That's right. Uh, so Bill uh, was a co-founder of Trueface. Uh, th- that's that started in 1995. Oh wow! Uh, they've got some books that he he co-authored. Some the of Cure, our favorite books. The Cure is my personal favorite book of all time, which makes me f- uh, kind of fangirling this conversation. It with is. Bill. It has become my most recommended book, not just for men, for for all humans. Guys, if you have not read that. I'm sorry for you, but you're welcome for giving that recommendation. Also, he wrote The Ascent of a Leader, which I read is just gold uh, for leadership with really a secular um, audience in mind. Bo's Cafe, another game changer. Um, he's He's been doing ministry for like 60 years. This guy's in his upper 70s. He works with billionaires with a B, millionaires, CEOs, presidents of organizations, uh, I have heard some stories of who this guy's worked with, and he's just a sleeper in regards to his influence and, and how faithful he is. He also helped start Open Door Fellowship, which is a church in Phoenix, pretty influential church, uh, over 20, 20 years ago, probably. He also seems like, and you've hung out with him, Robbie, I, I really haven't, um, but he just seems like the most approachable, loving man that I want to hang out with. He is so present, and he's so, uh, yeah, the fruits of the spirit, when you say approachable, loving, I mean, he just, yeah. it's like that, the definition of that. So um, I, I've got to know Bill a little bit, and as he has invested in me personally, um, as well as, and we could not uh, be more grateful for this guy. So without waiting any longer, we're going we're gonna to get him on here to talk about and help us understand how identity connects to purpose and calling which is 
which is something most of us spend the majority of our lives trying to understand on a deeper level. So now I hope you guys enjoy this conversation that we had with Bill Thrall. So Bill, welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. We have got you on the line. Are you there, Bill? I'm here. I'm here, Robbie. Lee, good to good to be here with good you to guys be this with morning. You. We are super, super excited about this conversation. Uh, but first, before we jump into this topic on purpose and calling and what that looks like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, Bill Thrall, other than what your bio says on Amazon or on the web? Well, I, I think uh, I would say to you that I'm a person that has a, a variety of interests from uh, a home garden. Hmm. Uh, I love to fish, which is what I'm going to do next week with some friends. I love to play golf. I walk every day uh, four to seven miles. I re- yeah, and I do a lot of contemplating when I'm on my walks. Uh, I have a dear, dear wife. We have uh, three children, nine grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. That is awesome. Where Where are you going fishing next week? I'm going up to a place in Wyoming that I've been uh, at least once a year for the last 12 years. Maybe, maybe my favorite place to fish right now. Because you go fly you actually, fishing? Fly fishing, because you actually catch something. That's why I like this place. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Where Where do you golf or where have you golfed in the past? Has there been any cool spots or places you recommend? Well, <laughs> Well, I had the rare privilege this summer with uh, several of my friends, and we golfed uh, in Ireland and Scotland. Wow. And and it was the most difficult golf I've ever experienced, and I've never had more fun, ever. Did, did you have to use one of those old sticks? With, it looks like a hook on the end made of wood. Is that <laughs> – now that when you were in the motherland playing golf, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I actually got to use my my own clubs, and they didn't help much. But, uh, but but it was a uh, it one day at uh, uh, Trump's course over there. The wind was fifty to sixty three miles an hour, and we were playing golf. Wow! <laughs> one of the guys in our group who hits the ball a long way faced the ocean, hit it as hard as he could into the wind. It came way out and came all the way back across the fairway into the other side. That's, that's a windy. That's a windy day. Super windy day. And just for the record, Bill, uh, since this is the first time we've done a podcast together, please try to keep politics out of this. Um, we try to keep it. We try to keep, <laughs> keep it, it clean. clean. <laughs> We're not endorsing. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Excuse me for that. So so let's jump into this because this is a yeah. burden, a tension that I feel that I'm so excited to pick your brain on. And I think a lot of guys feel it. It's we get into the patterns of life and the, our roles and our positions and we spend 40 to 70 hours a week uh, making widgets or selling something or moving a bottom line or or adjusting the P&L. And, and we do that for long enough with our gifts and our energy and our focus and then we oftentimes feel left wanting. And that speaks into something that all of us have this desire or burden for, which is to have uh, clarity or have greater purpose, calling. Lee, how do I say this better? Yeah, I, I think you're saying it right. I think the question is, is this what you've seen over the years in your years of 
working with men, talking to men, are are you seeing men hit this sort of wall hurdle, whatever we call it? Yes, a lot. And and quite honestly, uh, part of it is is uh, the theology that they've been taught. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, how so? Uh, in this in this sense, often in many a church and ministry settings, uh, the idea of a specific calling on somebody's life um, gives the guy without that sense a lack of purpose. It's like we got these leaders and they're called and I don't know what I am. And and I think I think we got to be really really wise. Um, it, Paul in in First uh, Corinthians uh, verse twenty six. I'm just going to read it to you. It, it verse twenty four says, "But to those who were called, both Greek and Jew, uh, what he's doing is he's saying to us, there is a divine purpose in the work of Christ in you." There is a divine purpose in the work of Christ in you. Wouldn't it be great if you could discover that? And then he says in in another verse, in verse 26, a few verses later, he says, for consider your calling, brother. So so it's like, in order for us, in my mind, to get in touch with purpose, we've got to come way back to the choice of God of us. No man who is a believer should ever wonder if he is chosen of God. No man. Hmm. That that should be a reality. Uh, when when we work together with men, and and so many of them are confused and disoriented uh, about life's purpose, it's because they don't come back to a real basic thing: who is it that God says you are? Hmm. And one thing every man must know who has accepted Jesus as Savior. That at the cross, the Savior made that man new. And in that newness, he is called of God to purpose. And in our ministry, when I, when I work, I come alongside a lot of men and women. But when I do that, I, I say this to them. Let's discover the purpose of God for your life by you living into your influence, no matter what your job is. See, what what we've done, unfortunately, is we have made for men their role, their identity. And it's not. I mean, I I may have a job as a man, and I don't even like my job. Mm. And that's, that's the role? That's the role. I don't like my job. But that's not his person. Uh, The significance of our person is measured in our influence, not what we do. That's huge. And, and so and so if we could help men to understand that no matter what it is I do, because of who I am, I can have influence in the purposes of God. That, that's the key. Uh, uh, recently, a couple of years ago, a uh, a couple of young men in their 30s made some really significant money. And uh, they started to meet together on Friday mornings here in Phoenix with the idea that this was their goal. They were going to work together to see what they could figure out what they might be able to do for the Lord. That, that, was, a, that was the motive of their heart. Mm. And, and one of them, through a friend of mine, met with me. And I said to him, I heard your meeting on Friday mornings, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, I'd like to encourage you to do something. 
instead of sitting together wondering what you're going to do for God, get on your knees and ask God what he wants to do in you. Oh, and, and so what we want to do is we want to say to men, listen, God called you. You are in Christ chosen. And, and God, is, God is an amazing steward. He, he never, ever, ever misuses assets. And every man is an asset of God who knows Jesus. Hmm. But men don't believe it. And, and, and part of it is we don't believe it because we haven't been taught to live out of who God says we are. So we, we just go ahead. Sorry. So, so you're saying a f- the fundamental component of getting into this conversation about purpose and calling is to first have a deeper understanding of our belief in who we are and our identity. Absolutely. Fundamental to that. So I can live into my influence. Every man right now that's listening to this has influence. Every man. You you don't live without affecting others. Define influence. What what do you mean by that? What what I mean by that is how are others being affected by who I am in their lives? That is really good. That's awesome. yeah, who, who? It's it's like I say, um, I'm doing some mentoring cohorts, and in one of the cohorts, I'm, I'm trying to help the leaders in the cohort to, to do something. I'm trying to help them to own their influence. And, and so one of the questions I'm asking them to consider, <laughs> and I can just feel it when I do this in them, I, I'd like them to go home to their wife and their kids and their best friends and the people that work with them or for them and ask them this question. How am I affecting you? Man, that's awesome. How am I that, affecting you? That's influence. How am I affecting you? And so that's essentially asking what what is my influence or what does my influence look like in reality? Exactly. And, and, and I, I can't know that if I don't ask you. I can't know it. You see, part, part of this whole dynamic um, is that so often in certain circles of, of the body, the, the calling of God has been an isolated a desert experience for an individual. But, you know, we, we forget that Paul wrote the letters, not to individuals. Paul wrote the letters to communities of believers mm-hmm. that they could function together in the application of what he was teaching. So good. Because... In the design of applying teaching and this belief and identity with an understanding that that's done through the context of community and relationship? Absolutely. I, I really, I'm, I firmly believe that I can never truly know who I am apart from what others tell me. I, I just can't do that. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, well, one of our dynamics um, as human beings who now become Christians is is that our that our whole existence has been formed by the shame that has identified us, and 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 therefore I have never met anybody, so there may be an exception, but everybody has a story that is shame based and convinces us of who we are not and who we wish we were that that's just the reality of it 
And so, so what happens is my, my shame story always distorts my view of you, of me. Hmm. It always does. It always distorts my view of me. Hmm. But God comes along and he recreates in me a new man where I'm no longer shame-based, but I don't believe it as a Christian. To make sure I'm hearing this right, the shame is how I see myself, which is a narrative that gets in the way of um, allowing others to speak into that or to find that for me. But when I let God define that, that changes all that. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's like I I love to talk, I love to use this term. Do we as Christians understand the miracles of Calvary? Do, do we understand that Jesus not only as a Christian who he chose he chose me. Not only did he die for my sin, he took upon him my shame, and he made the sinner at Calvary a new person. What What do you hope we understand? So unpack that again for me, of your hope for how men see themselves connected to that. What, what I hope they see themselves is this. I am not who I used to be. And the goal of my Christian life is not to change who I used to be into who I ought to be. The goal is for me to live into the fact that God called me for Mm. his purposes, but I've got to believe what he says about me. If if I don't believe what he says about me, Mm. I can promise me and everybody else, I will believe what I say about me. And, and I need you. I need Robbie. I need Lee. I need every man that's listening. We all need each other to clarify mm. in community with each other. Who does God say we are? Uh, and, 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 and that to me is foundational to this understanding of purpose. That, that is a key component to really understand before we then unpack what purpose means. But, in that, um, what you just said is a huge, huge concept um, that I think a lot of us really, even in the church world and in faith-based environments, spend our entire lives subtly confused about. What happened at Calvary means we are a holy right. new man, so it's a different paradigm shift of not trying to be something or become different or better or more obedient or like Jesus, but it's, a, it's way different than that. In regards to how I see myself, am I making any sense? Help me, Bill. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're, you're asking and, and and declaring the right reality here. It's like no no one. So many men are despondent in their faith because they keep reminding themselves they're not enough. Hmm. And 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 no matter what they're con- they can be as successful as can be. You cannot believe the number of multi wealthy people I've met with who are unbelievably dissatisfied with life. Hmm. And and so it's not a matter of of it being measured well. It's it's a matter of our saying this. What if my becoming more like Jesus was in fact my maturing into who God says I am. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is I already have in Christ a new creation. I'm a new person, and, and I, I need to mature into that person. It's, it's like a, the Bible says we're born again, we're babies. Well, a baby has to mature into their, who they really are. 
And, 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 and our identity in Christ is not something I'm searching for. It's already been declared. And, and so I, I go back to that concept I started with. Okay, every man who has accepted Jesus Christ has been called a God. He says, now, contemplate what in the world does that mean you've been called of God? You cannot separate the fact that you were called of God with you now being part of the purpose of God. That was part one of a two-part conversation with Bill Thrall. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one. Tune in to the next podcast. Until then, we're going to leave you guys with a couple minutes of wisdom from our friend, John Woodall. Here's wisdom from the woods. One of the ideas that I think is really, really important in our relationships with other men, other people, actually all of our relationships, is this idea of keeping short accounts. Um, Have you ever had an experience where somebody's come up to you and they say something like, you know, last year you said this or, you know, several months ago you did this? And it kind of leaves us with this feeling like, are you kidding me? Have you carried this this long? Um, there's a verse back in the book of Numbers written by Moses where he says, in the day that you hear of it. Um, and he talks about the importance of keeping short accounts with people. And so one of the things that I do in my relationships, I want everyone around me to be at rest. I don't want anybody wondering, is John mad at me? Is he upset with me? Is he disappointed in me? I don't like leading people by intimidation. I don't want imagination to be at work in our relationships. So the way that I keep short accounts is that if you do something or if you say something to me um, that is bothersome, that is hurtful, that is offensive, that's frustrating, In the day that that happens, I want to try to have a conversation literally within 24 hours. Um, I want to be able, now there are some situations, as you know, they're greater that you need um, longer time. A dear friend of mine, Fran Lamatinas, used to say, give me, uh, I'm one quiet time away from a good answer. Sometimes you need a day or two until you make that approach. But in all of your relationships, If you can keep short accounts that if somebody says something or they do something that you would make it your aim to go back and say, hey, this thing happened yesterday or a couple of days ago that I would like to talk about. And you would find um, that that conversation is much easier to have when the incident is fresh versus letting that thing stack. So keep short accounts in all your relationships. Make it your aim to have people at rest around you. It's a beautiful thing that leads to healthy relationships and community. Think about that. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. We have Bill Thrall back for part two. Next episode, you are not going to want to miss it. He 
he dives deeper into these truths that are so fundamental and will change all of our lives if we help each other trust these truths and grow and mature into these truths as new men. Tune in, subscribe, like it, help us get the word out so that we can help men become more fully alive by doing life together. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Robbie. See ya.